It's been a very foggy day, so all day I was sort of praying for the sun to come out. It was like oh. right behind, but no, didn't come out. No, so. no. It, it is, yeah, it has some sun. Yesterday it was very sunny. If I open this, it's like quite the east-facing sun. It's mm. over there. It's so nice, but it's also loud. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm in my little cocoon here. That's a great introduction for our topic today, and I'm so excited to be meeting you today and be chatting with you um, with your background sort of around architecture and design. Yeah. Because we talk a lot about the environment, how it affects your happiness, how it can as affect so many aspects of, of our life. And first, I wanted to sort of see how did you get into that field of architecture and, and design research? Yes, I love that. Okay, so I would say I, first of all, I was just always a very sensitive kid. I, mm -hmm. like growing up, I think I was, I had no words for it, but I was just impacted by everything, right? So now mm -hmm. I recognize that I was a highly sensitive person. I now have a highly sensitive little daughter. And by the time I really just was like, everything, you know, like I just, I felt things very deeply. And mm. so then I was like, okay, I want to like do something meaningful. Um, and so I was like, I'm going to, you know, be a social worker. And so mm. I started to go down that track. And for me, like I, you know, I am a giant sponge of all emotions and I, <laughs> you know, and like, it's really not that, um, healthy uh, for social workers to do that. And so I was like, okay, I really love this, um, but I'm going to need to find some sort of like space in, in mm. being able to like care for the social workers as well as, you know, the humans um, that they serve. And I um, literally just sort of stumbled into it. I was lucky enough to take an environmental psychology class, mm -hmm. which is essentially like everything I do now. So I was, um, so yeah, it totally transformed my life. I was just instantly hooked. I was like, yes, this mm. is like, this is the thing. It was like, <laughs> it, it, it's like, it gives word, you know, when you're like searching for a word and someone gives it to you, it was like the whole class was just like feeling like that sensation. <laughs> the revelation. Yes. Constant revelation. And so I, so literally after that, I, um, transferred, um, to an architecture school, double majored mm -hmm. in architecture and psychology. And in a lot of ways, the rest is history. I've just been weaving those two together for my whole career. Mm -hmm. That's super interesting because I have never really heard about this kind of field before. For me, it was, yeah. okay, there's architecture and uh -huh. there is, you know, psychology. But yeah. I didn't really feel that it got blended until very recently. Yeah. But with the topic of loneliness that you mentioned a lot and happiness generally and the way we are putting more thoughts into what's yes. impacting us in society. I thought this was really such an interesting topic. And do you see that there's elements of either architecture of designs that seem to profoundly impact us as human beings, either in very positive ways or very yes. negative ways, or is it sort of more complicated than that maybe? Uh, it, I mean, it is both that simple <laughs> and, of course, like everything else. A little bit more complicated. complicated. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, when, when I talk about it, I try to anchor in um, what we call evolutionary biology, psychology, neuro, mm -hmm. like everything, right? So we evolved in certain environments. Um, mm. And so when we look at, you know, that evolutionary history, it's much longer than you know, our industrialized world um, and the, you know, amount that we've been able to evolve since then, uh, which is not not very much, right? It was just a tiny drop in a giant ocean of, of evolution. And, um, and so when we look at like, for instance, um, some of the basics from um, environmental psychology is things like, you know, if you understand heavy rushing traffic going past you. Mm. Like how often are you like, you know what I want to do? I want to sit next to that <laughs> and have a deep conversation with someone I love. Like never, <laughs> it's never going to happen. Right. Um, uh, or like create a new, new relationship. Right. Um, so, so, um, 
on the other end, right? Because those sounds for us are like unnatural. Those are either sounds mm. of being attacked, sounds of volcanoes, sounds of, you know, that is, those are intense. And similarly, when we look at, you know, one of my least favorite, like some of modern architecture, some of, um, and by modern, I really mean some of like both brutalist, but also like mm -hmm. some of the more like avant-garde where you're like, oh, <laughs> and there's a giant spike in the middle of your design. Like, isn't that wonderful how it looks exactly like a tooth that's going to mm. like attack you? Like, or, you know, these unnatural forms that that really we are hardwired to, um, to sense a, a certain uneasiness. Mm. And I think like in art or in something small or in certain areas, you know, I'm like, yeah, okay, so provoke a certain uneasiness. And I think mm. there are certain components. So for instance, certain memorials or like creating a sense of either unease or, you know, um, or conflict that you're trying to like get the person to feel that. Yeah. But in general, we don't like that is not healthy and good for us on a regular basis. We mm. have enough unease in our life that we don't need it from our physical spaces. We want to be places that feel restorative, that feel in nature, that have those aspects of, and and I think that's one of the reasons why you're hearing so much. I feel like within the last five years, people have really been like nature this, nature that. And mm. because the research is so strong and it has been for a long time, but about how it can restore us and about like sounds of nature view. Mm. Like if we think of each one of us as like a sensory bubble, like we're just, we're seeing sights, we're touching things, we're hearing things or all the things. And so architecture touches on a lot of those, like, and so, and it's crafting your spaces. And so, yeah, there's, I mean, there's so many beautiful examples, um, both small and simple and large and monumental of like, beautiful, thoughtful architecture that helps mm -hmm. you to feel like helps uplift and feel happy and all of those things. So yeah, I hmm. could talk about that forever. <laughs> That's a really good point. One other thing that I wanted to have sort of your perception on yeah. is usually we oppose sort of the inside world that we have as person and the outside world. And we say, okay, happiness, it should come from within. It doesn't come from your, you know, environment, yeah. your circumstances yeah, and yeah, so yeah. on. So, but there is research that shows, okay, for example, if you walk in nature, instead of being in prison all day, you're going to tend to feel totally. a little more, you know, better totally. <laughs> in your life. How do you reconcile sort of these two ideas of, okay, some part of your happiness is not, you know, your circumstances yeah. in your environment, but the other side is also kind of your circumstances. Totally. In your Oh my God, I love that because literally this is me 24 hours a day um, <laughs> because I am a person that attempts to be happy, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like that's been like an ongoing journey um, in my own life. And and I think, you know, I mean, right, if so, like one of the people I think of when we talk about um letting go of external circumstance and choosing how you're going to feel, how your mind, right. Is mm. Victor Frankl, right. Mm -hmm. are, you, are you, okay. So, yeah, yeah. um, and so for anyone that doesn't know Victor Frankl, um, a psychiatrist, he at least became, so. but he went through, um, the Holocaust through concentration camps and wrote about that in man's search for meaning and a number of other books. But there's no part of you that would be like, you know, what that's trying to teach us is that is that all of that is totally okay. And it's really like all in your mind. You need to control mm. your mind. Like it's saying that both and like you wouldn't say it's okay to have like a abusive relationship as mm. long as like you get your mind right. Or it's okay if mm. your boss is yelling at you and you're, you're not paid and you don't have the basics of life, like as long as you, right. And so it's like, <laughs> <laughs> like when we take these extreme examples, we see how it like doesn't hold up. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think for me, the, the architectural equivalent to that, which 
I don't think I've really talked about this before. So like you and me can like play with this idea, <laughs> but is, is really like, um, is this idea of like monumental, but also maybe instead of the, the right word may not be monumental. It's sort of this idea of architecture as status symbol, mm-hmm. right? So that's fake happiness, right? That's not real happiness. That is look at the car I drive, look at the clothes mm. I wear. I'm ha- like, I'm successful and therefore I must be happy. And mm. I think architecture regularly becomes that, right? Mm. And a lot of people see architecture as like the domain of people with money and means. And mm. that I'm like, no, like, I just, like <laughs> I feel so, so intense. <laughs> Sorry for all of those listening. Like, I just, I feel so intensely about that because architecture, urban design, all of like all of the components of physical space, we are embodied beings, meaning that we all have physical bodies. We are not just brains floating Mm. around. Right. And so all of our perceptions are interoception, like the way that our body feels things before we even consciously feel them or Mm. or produce a thought. The physical environment around us is impacting all of that all of the time. And so I think that what we need is not fancy sculpture. Um, like, yeah, that's gr- like, you know, there's a time and a place and a, you know, if you love it, great. Mm. But I think that there's this foundational need sort of Maslow's hierarchy of like, what is a space that fills your foundational needs that feels safe that allows Mm. you and your nervous system to regulate so that it can take on the rest of the world um and a lot of times that that looks different than like what we're creating yeah so it's not about having our whole house look so pretty that's going to be in the next vogue or i don't know architectural digest but if it's making us feel good, this piece of art, or I don't know, this yes. nice sofa. Then... I love that. Okay, so literally, like, my neighbor, um, who just happens to be a um, therapist, but, like, mm-hmm. you know, has no background design, has no whatever. And sometimes I'll go over there, and she'll just ask, she'll be like, okay, but, like, what do we think about this rug? <laughs> or, like, what do we think? And I'm like, does it make you happy? Like, and, like, you live around other people. So, like, mm-hmm. does it make them ha- Like, you know, there's certain there's certain proportional rules that help to create a space of balance or yeah. help to create. So for instance, like, like I talked about edges or bright reds or mm. like certain things, uh, we're not wired to feel safe with. Now, if mm-hmm. we use those in pops or in like, if they help us to feel a certain way. Okay. But we tend to gravitate towards nature towards natural like fractal patterns things that remind us of nature and ground us in Mm. that so materiality is really important i like there's a whole study around basically like the fake material versus the real material like our brains Mm. and bodies know because of the echo because of how it feels to the hand because like all of these things um but also like the studies around beauty Right. Like, be- mm. I mean, we look for beauty in music, beauty in faces, beauty in body, be- like, right. And, and the joy of beauty in the everyday, like finding a leaf on the ground that's like in the shape of a heart. I mean, like, right. Um, these moments <laughs> of delight, right. They're like so simple. But, um, and I think about that and I'm like, that's what, that's what we're supposed to also have in our own space. Um, yeah, and I, I think social dynamics is also a huge part of that. Mm. Um, For me, it's always so interesting because I I like to watch some shows where they show, you know, those like millionaires' houses and you get to see the inside and I find <laughs> them really pretty. It's really nice yeah. houses. Yeah, but yeah. a lot of time, especially those in like LA or places like this, yeah. they are so huge. They have big openings. And yes. okay, maybe you can see the whole, I don't know, mm-hmm. LA Valley or something. And it looks pretty. But for me, I feel like, wow, if I would live in this, okay, I could have giant awesome parties. But if I'm sitting there, I yes. feel like, I believe I would feel not unsafe, but because it seems yes. kind of so big and 
Yeah. I don't know. Open. <laughs> yes. Of, yeah. Like, I'm no, like, can no, I give no, you words for that? <laughs> like, yes, totally, totally. A hundred percent. And a lot of times like we talk about prospect and refuge. And so like, if you think about prospect and refuge, like this idea of like being able to see out, but not mm-hmm. necessarily be like seen as much. Mm. Um, and that is a very like safe, comforting feeling for us. Right. Like, because evolutionarily, like that's how we, you know, and, and so to have our backs exposed, mm. um, and to have eyes on us, like we sense eyes. Right. And so like, there's a lot of times it's so interesting because people will create, they'll be like, I created this beautiful park or this, whatever. And I'm like, mm. yes, but you didn't, <laughs> You didn't think about like the fact that literally everyone from all the surrounding things are staring mm-hmm. at it and all of those people like it's not like oh that's okay because like you don't work with those people or know those people it's like mm. these are your people and they're all staring in at you okay are there like i think that in certain situations where you can create some like changes in topography where you can ha- kind of have little nooks or if if it's children right like yeah. There's different aspects of that being okay in different ways. And I think, I mean, I just love trees because they naturally do that, right? Like you can kind of put your back up against a tree and look out and like feel that, right? And like, um, yeah. And yeah. But yeah, it was so funny because I still think, well, you know, those are awesome houses and they're worth millions. But I think back of the first place I lived in with a roommate and my room was so tiny. There was literally just a single bed and basically nothing else it was so small but I felt so sort of cozy in it and it was just my little secured space and I felt like well I felt better in this than I think I would feel in those giant houses but um, it brings me also to another question which is generally in life we love to control everything and we sort of believe we can control everything Uh how much do you think we should sort of try to control our environment, whether that's our home or like our cities a little bit and yeah. how much, you know, we should try to be okay. You know, my home is like this and I'm not going to go, I don't know, on more Pinterest and try to see what's the newest thing that can make me happiest. Yeah. <laughs> I I mean, what a great question. I love that. Um, Hmm. It's a tough one. <laughs> no, no, I have so many thoughts on it. I'm just trying to organize them in my mm-hmm. mind. So I think, again, it gets down to the motivation, right? Mm-hmm. So is your motivation to control, to like control? Um, mm. Is it to, um, is it like, I don't know how much you've had people talk about like clinging and scarcity and mm. like an ego is like, but I, you know, have practiced Buddhism for a long time and have like, you know, all of the things around like, is your need for control about like, it must be perfect. It must be like this. Mm. Um, And then like, does that allow space for your humanity, right? Or for (laughs) the messy reality of humanity and the beauty that comes with it. And then I think on the other side, like, well, does that control then be control over, Right. So Mm -hmm. like if you share this space with multiple other people, like are you needing to control them in order for Mm. you to be happy or like control their space? Right. Like um, but I do think that there's times where like I mean, (laughs) this is like maybe a ridiculous (laughs) example and it is kind of dramatic. But I I remember I went one time to um, an Airbnb. Mm -hmm. It was like it was this crazy situation um, and it was a last minute thing. I show up at this Airbnb and I um, open the only like window in the place and it looks straight out to a brick wall that's like less than 10 feet away. And I am like, what now? Oops. What? What now? And I like, I like panic and I'm like, I must leave. Um, I was like, there was other things wrong with it as well, but and I think that there, and like, for instance, when I gave birth, like there's half of the rooms in the hospital, more than half, like two thirds were windowless um, mm. for where you give birth. And I was like, I was like, you've got to give me a room with a window. <laughs> I need to see outside. I was like, I study this for a living. Um, <laughs> but, uh, 
but and I think I don't regret those types of control. Like, I mean, I do mm. think that there's like to me, right? Like the was the serenity prayer or give me like the strength to like change what I can, but what accept I can what change I, and yes, what I cannot do. yes, exactly. And I think that's the same, you know, prayer about our space is like, okay, well, I think like um, there's a number of changes I've made to the space that I'm in right now that have made me so much more happy, so much more at peace. There's like little tweaks that you can do. Now, if I wanted this to look perfect for someone else or for, you know, then, then it's sort of like, what's the motivation and where's that tipping point of like Mm -hmm. good enough to support your well-being versus to like fulfill your idea of like the perfect self. Mm. Or the newest trend or something like that. Yes. (laughs) I'm like, I'm like, trends be damned. I'm sorry. Like, what makes you happy? Like, you know, like, Mm. I don't know. And, and I do think that there's a strong need for balance in our life, like, uh, and balance in our spaces. So for instance, I would love nothing more than to like throw art on like every wall all over every wall in my house. I would (laughs) then I would then feel super claustrophobic and need to run Mm. away. So I think that there's that balance. Yeah, it can bring you happiness, but if you get too much of it on every single wall, maybe, yeah, it's a little overwhelming. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have other sort of objects or ways that you arrange things in your space that you feel have really helped you and your happiness? Yeah, yeah, totally. A hundred percent. I mean, like, I have so many examples, I can't even... um, yeah, I'll I'll share a few. We live in a um super old 100-year-old house um and it has taken some time to like like it's both a beautiful wonderful thing um mm-hmm. but also, you know, the floors aren't level and um that doesn't bother work. me at all. Um no just kidding. <laughs> um but yeah, I think a ton of it is thinking about views. So like mm-hmm. when you sit in a common place that you're going to sit all the time what Mm -hmm. is your natural view and like what do you want that to be is this the place where you sit and you talk with other people is this the place where you sit and you um like work um Mm. so for instance I'll just like use this exact space that we're in right now I um like have the wall behind me is mirrored more or less, there's like definitely some organic to it, but it's more or less mirrored mm-hmm. to give balance because I have to look at Zoom, but so do mm-hmm. other people have to look at me, right? And so yeah. giving that is like balancing. There's also nature in it, right? And mm-hmm. like there's color and there's some things that like help anchor me in who I am. And I think that that's like a symbolic representation of like, this is what matters to me, this is who I am mm. and how I want to like tell the story of who I am. Um, it's also like, what art pieces do I happen to have laying around that kind <laughs> of like go together? So it's a, it's a little bit of both. And then I look out, I mean, so if I flipped this room, you would be looking out at nature, mm-hmm. but I would be completely dark because I would have no natural light on my face. Mm-hmm. And like, I would look at that wall and it would make me so unhappy every day. <laughs> but it's like such an easy, you know, decision easy fix yeah Yeah, yeah. easy fix um and I think similarly like if you both if you're looking for a house or like a place to live or home or a even just like a place to go and you know it's so funny when I go and study or work um out at coffee shops it depends Mm -hmm. on the time of day because we have this street where like half of it is light during the morning and Mm -hmm. the other half is light in the afternoon And so it's just like, okay, how hot is it? And I love being like, I'm like a house cat. Like I love being in the sun (laughs) (laughs) and it's really good for you. Like we're all basically vitamin D deficient because we don't like, we're not in We just stay in. I know. (laughs) (laughs) And so, so I try to like look at that and decide like, I have the good fortune to like have multiple places to choose from. But, Mm -hmm. you know, if you look at, for instance, some of the research on east, east facing light, which is the light of the morning, um, at least here. And I'm like, is that always for everyone and every anyways, 
Yeah, I think so. Should be. Yep. Yes, I know. I'm Except, sorry. That, I guess I, in I, the like, other hemisphere. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, okay, is the other hemisphere? But then I was like, I think, I don't know. I need to think about that. <laughs> but uh, East facing light is really great for us in the morning to like wake us up. And mm. that's shown a number of different like positive benefits on mental health, both in like psychiatric populations as well as just general populations. Um, and I think that there's just like little things. One of one of my like, mm, I don't know, pet peeves, I guess, which I would love to like discuss and get into on like design, <laughs> not like necessarily on this podcast, but is like open concept. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's big where you are in the U.S. People just take down walls. And yeah, what's your experience? I think, I don't know. I'm not so much of a interior design and architecture yeah expert i think to know so much i expert, would say genuinely if you look at houses in your name na- like this is not coming from me being an expert this is coming from like watching my neighbors tear down all their walls i've been moving every year nearly for the past 10 that years makes you an so... expert go on <laughs> but i have okay i have been choosing my living situations but usually it's been more with convenience and not yeah. necessarily with like okay are those yeah. the like perfect settings up and up (laughs) but I don't I don't think it's so big common I think people in cities not so much um I think maybe people with houses maybe like 30 years old people building their own houses would Mm -hmm. do that I guess but I don't see it really as a super yeah big trend I wouldn't know really the data on this it feels like it feels like a big trend here like in our offices we're like tear down Mm. the walls like it's open office in our homes we're like tear down the walls like Mm. um and I'm I was really curious in during COVID I'm like we so I again yes live in a hundred year old home it has lots of like tiny compartments Mm. which was so good because it was like we can all can be isolate in a shared space, but feel like some sense of like not everyone staring at you all the time. And there's also like acoustic privacy. Mm. Um, and so like I think that there is, you know, there's a beautiful book called Pattern Language. Have you ever heard of this book? No. Nope. It was like, um, let's see, it's right, it's right over there on that shelf. It's <laughs> it's a great it's a great tome. Um, but there's a little like. Mm, it's made up of all these tiny little like vignette kind of chapter things where Mm -hmm. he talks about different spaces, but he talks about a space of your own. Mm -hmm. And I think like that is so powerful. Um, Even if it's like a corner of your own or a, Mm. like something that allows like a tree of your own, like outside, like, you know, I think that we all have different abilities to like create space um, for our own selves, but having something where you can be just you and Mm. there's not eyes on you and you get to control it. Um, and I think in spaces like that control is very powerful because you decide Mm -hmm. like control and change, you decide to change it, how it feels for you. And I think that there's this symbiotic relationship of like, here's who I think I am in the space. And then like, how does that make me feel? And then like, okay. And then how do like, because living a full life is like consistent growth and change. Mm -hmm. And like, to me, that's part of happiness is like, are you allowing yourself to grow and change over time? Um, And I think allowing our spaces to like mirror our own internal growth is, is powerful. Uh, And to remind us. Yeah. Yeah. And it's very true that it doesn't have to be an entire room because it can yes. be frustrating that you don't have your own office or your own I don't know bedroom or something yeah. like this in you know an apartment or a house but I remember when I was a kid at my grandparents house we planted mm-hmm. a little I'm not sure what's the name in English of that little yeah. ber- a berry tree yeah. Yeah. let's say and so I was so happy I didn't think anything of it then but uh-huh. then my grandparents sold the house and the first thing I thought was what about my tree? <laughs> because it's my tree. Yes. It's because I, it's not that I didn't care about the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was far. We didn't really go there so often. They had their apartment that they lived in. It was more yeah. their like holiday house. 
And yeah, the only thought I had was, but there's my tree, my the tree. new owners, they can't have my tree. Yeah. So we literally went there, we dug out the tree and my parents <sighs> that had said, no, you know, it's going to die. Like we can't yeah. have it. It's just going to die. And I was like, no, but it's my tree. I want my You're tree. Like, it's happening. <laughs> and of course, after like two weeks on our apartment, it died. <laughs> but I just felt this is my own. And we have just, yeah. you know, the memory and the picture of when we planted that tree. But I felt so powerfully about it and it felt like yeah. this is something I want to control. I want to have it with me. It yeah. made it died. So I'm not sure what's the lesson. <laughs> You're like, I don't know what the lesson is there. I know. I mean. But it doesn't have to be yeah. a whole room. Yeah, it can just be yeah. a little plant, a little something that you can hopefully not have to, to kill when you move around. <laughs> <laughs> I think like, for instance, like a bulletin board where you can mm. put up your images, your art, your name your whatever um I have a space where my daughter puts up her art and I remember mm. my mom when we were growing up was like okay these four frames here are always going to have your art like okay these are, like and so it would just be rotating artwork and mm. it helps you and I think similarly when you do that at schools in classrooms in in senior living like in all of the spaces in our offices like it reminds us, these little artifacts remind us that we belong there. Mm. And that's very powerful. Um, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. That's a that's a good one. And there's also a lot of research sometimes that either says, okay, it's good to have sort of messy environment because then you have more creativity and things like that. Yes. And some other studies show, okay, no, but, you know, if you have a structured well-designed yep. sort of all clean mm -hmm. arranged environment it's good yep. because clarity in your space is clarity in your mind uh-huh do you see that in terms of is it just okay you know clarity is uncluttered space that is well arranged and then if you want mm -hmm. more creativity you can have chaos mm -hmm. or is it sort of a bit more complicated than that do you see that there's one maybe that mm, tends to make us a little bit more happy mm. Or not really? I'm like the joy of paradox. Um, <laughs> it's so true. It's a good introduction to that. So true. <laughs> I mean, yes, like all of it. Um, I think that, well, first of all, we all have different brains, right? Mm. And so, um, yeah. <laughs> so it really depends on the person um mm. it also depends on the task and i also okay. think it kind of depends on the duration of the clutter um okay i uh, i mean so like yeah if i think of like the, mm, the life cycle of my house or even like a day of like um I think it's really nice and helpful and important to like start with a clean slate to some extent. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, when I go to sleep, this space is clean. And when I come back in it, it is clean. Now it might be clean with like my papers. Like if I'm trying to jump right back into the space mm -hmm. that I was prior, like, well, then maybe it has that. Right. But it's sort of like, okay, the rest of it, is a certain degree of like tidiness um, yeah. that then allows your space, your brain to like not be cluttered by that. But also like, mm -hmm. I think that when we are, are tied down again, I think it's like, it's so like paradox both, but it's like when we're tied down by like that clinging of like, well, it has to be tidy. Like there can't be mm. anything. Well then you can't really get messy. Like I think, so often we try to work in the computers and like we are meant, there's a great book called um, The Extended Mind, I think. Um, Maybe that really, rings a bell. Yeah. But she talks about um, and pulls on all of this different research um, related to like how we think with all of us, like how we think with our bodies. And that totally resonates with me. I mean, so architecture school is that, right? Like mm. you are physically creating 
what is in your mind. Um, you mm-hmm. couldn't just tell somebody, okay, and then you open the door and then you see, <laughs> and you're like, nah, nobody cares. Like make it, make it physical, <laughs> like show us. Or like a writer, you couldn't be like, so trust me, like there's this great plot point and it does this thing mm-hmm. and you're like, no, create it. Um, but I think like, and Kim, I mean, like, I love the examples of how discoveries are made. Do, are you familiar with the Salk Institute? Okay. Like this. Nope. Oh, no. Okay, great. So um, Jonas Salk, back in the day, created mm-hmm. the polio vaccine that saved, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of lives and things, Um, to, to put it modestly. But he, when he was searching for the vaccine, um, he was toiling and toiling and toiling, trying to like solve this. Uh, and I think a like basement lab, because a lot of labs are like not, they're like, they have no windows. They are not great spaces. Right. And, um, so he was like, okay, I'm not making any progress. I'm kind of losing my mind. I'm like, this isn't great. And so he goes abroad to stay in a monastery in Italy mm-hmm. And there he walks in nature and has these moments of, you know, like quiet and in the environment and thinks and like makes these breakthroughs. Mm. And he's like, this was a part of my breakthrough was this space. And so he goes back, um, you know, creates a polio vaccine and eventually creates the Salk Institute, which is this beautiful piece of architecture Um at like architectures, like, I mean, it's, it's a whole landscape, um, but that mirrors some of those pieces of monastery, um, mm-hmm. that values like how the sun moves and provides views and, but also collaboration spaces and ways, because we, like, if you think of chalkboards so often now we, we're not like writing things out and like collaborate, but that's how we, you know, that's how we create what, what we call like mm, working memory, if it needs mm-hmm. to be shared by multiple people, then putting it on a shared surface is incredibly powerful. Um, yeah. And so similarly, like creating 3D models of things with your hands, right? Like we're meant to to know things with our, our bodies, not just our mm-hmm. like little brains that float around in our skulls. <laughs> It's true. That's a good <laughs> example. Now I'm gonna need to Google this, yeah, uh, this place and see pictures of this. Yeah. It seems very interesting. It is. Is it also a sort of a meeting space for people? You talked about collaboration. Yeah. So so it's a um, yes and um, it is a place for scientists that study there. So basically, like okay, so scientific discovery. If this is like, you're going to be like, yes, duh. But okay, give me, I got to take a sip of coffee first. Go for it. <laughs> so scientific discovery, like the discovery of many things. Um, and innovation is about the intersections. And I think there's so, you know, there's, there's a lot that can be done in one mind, but there's, that's exponential when we get multiple minds, especially mm. minds that disagree or see the world in different ways, right? And that's why I love like the combination of architecture and psychology because it's unique and it reveals so many um, truths that like staying within disciplinary boundaries of one thing just feels limiting. Mm. Um, And so he's designed it. um, He worked with Louis Kahn, who is a very famous architect um, from back in the day. And... um, And they created these spaces where, yeah, the idea is like you're just sort of there's um, chalkboards or spaces to like have breakout conversations kind of everywhere. And I think that that um, happenstance interaction. So a lot of times um, if you see sort of like a central stair, like our architecture building um, back in the day, and actually the architecture firm that I work for now, HKS, we have a circulating stair in the center. And Mm. um at at our architecture school, you could see who was coming, who was going, like you could find people on other floors by looking down and it felt all connected. So like you felt like a part of that, that felt like a part of that. And, um, and it allowed you to have these like happenstance interactions in ways that you wouldn't otherwise on the stairs, like the number of, like the stairs could have been so much more narrow, but then 
no one would ever get by because you always strike up conversations on the stairs. Mm. And like when that is that that will happen as long as you provide the stairs like these are human beings um, and provide some sort of like genesis for them to potentially talk um, or shared understanding. So, yeah. That makes a great transition with the next topic I wanted to talk with you about, which is loneliness, yes. <laughs> which was the, the topic of your TEDx talk, um, because it is a great threat in our societies generally for happiness that we feel a lot more isolated than before, that generally architecture is a lot less made so that we can meet, even though many of us live in places surrounded by, with so many people around us we don't necessarily interact and connect with those people um what do you do in your life to let's say not have these threats do you just go around and talk to all of your neighbors do you chat <laughs> every time you go take a coffee with the barista how, how yeah. do you do this personally in your life yeah okay i love that so and personally you're sort of saying like not by modifying my environment, by but by leveraging the environments I have, right? Exactly. Okay, great. So I will say I am very fortunate to currently have a um, like a front porch where we mm -hmm. we can like so, but yeah. So one of the things I try to do is like linger in public, like kind of the shared public realm of my neighborhood like so for instance mm -hmm. we live on a street but i used to do this in other apartment buildings and things which is like spending some time there um either like tending to like for instance planting a garden if you have a kid like hanging out in the front yard rather than the backyard or in like the shared space rather than inside your home um and like or if you have a dog or or a cat that likes to be walked. Anyway, some people do, which I love. Um, but they, um, but they're great ways to, it really is like the fruit of shared time. Um, and so I, yeah, so it's Christmas right now here in America and we are, I mean, it's a lot of other holidays as well, but for me specifically, I celebrate Christmas and we, um, are making cookies. My daughter and I are making cookies and taking them to the neighbors. We stop by and, and I've been doing that since the very beginning. Um, mm. even when it's really awkward and you're like, <laughs> like, you're like, you're, you just kind of, for me, I accept the fact that my nervous system is going to like deregulate a little bit and like worry about rejection or being weird or like whether they like the cookies or like whether they can eat gluten or I don't know all the things. Right. But like, at the end of the day, it is about you showing up, making yourself a little bit vulnerable and telling someone else that you care. And mm. I think it's not about being perfect. And I think similarly, if someone shows up in your life and does that, like reciprocating in some way, not going, oh, yeah, no, I don't eat that. Like, or, mm. oh, you know what? We we keep it healthy here. It's like, no, accept the it is it is a like olive branch like they are extending mm. your hand as if to shake it are you going to pull yours away and i think like thinking about our interactions as extending hands and and creating this these bonds and i i also think like the more we are able to be safe and secure within ourselves right so like like ourselves the less we're going to be triggered or um, concerned if someone else says, oh, I'm sorry, I can't meet right now. Or like they don't mm. smile back when you wave. Like I so I really try <laughs> to understand that like it is a wave or a ripple and that sometimes the next person is going to be the beneficiary of like mm. my act of kindness. Um and that that is the world I want to create. Um, and so, yes, I do talk to baristas and I talk to <laughs> people and like, but I'm also an introvert. And so I need some space for myself. But I do <laughs> like I, I really like to, you know, notice things. I naturally notice things about people that I like 
and I like to tell them. Like, I'm like, your mm. hair looks so beautiful today. Or like, I love your shirt. Or, you know, you have a beautiful smile. And like, yeah, I'm sure it's like, sli- like sometimes it's slightly weird, but it's also like great um, mm. to just make somebody's day. Um, and sometimes I like will start by being like, I know this sounds so weird, but I just like have to tell you, <laughs> like that dress looks beautiful on you. And then I'll just like walk away. Um, and I, and then now I watch my like four, almost five-year-old do that same type of thing. And I just <laughs> love it. I love it. Um, you like, I'm stitching your goods. Yes. <laughs> yes. You just like want to like spread around kindness, like confetti. Like mm. I just love it. Anyway. Um, so yeah, spending sort of more time outside or trying to make yes. room for those encounters, using and, those encounters. Yes. And extending would, ourselves the yes. olive branch or the extra yes. effort. <laughs> so I would also say that is all about giving, right? Mm. Um, which is an important part. But I think that if we only list that, then we forget that we must give to ourselves. Um, and so for me, when I am going to be that person in the world, I recognize that I will likely need more time for rest and Mm. I will likely need more time alone. Um, and that's like, that's my specific nervous system, my time of my life in this, like having, having a small child and having work demands. Um, and so I try to balance it with like who I want to be in the world, um, and what I need to refill my cup mm. so that I have enough to give. Um, yeah, to be yeah. able to be this person who also yes. gives as well. Yes, exactly. Exactly. That's a great example. I had a little, some anecdote like this a few months back. So it was Halloween and it's really not, I was in France then, it's really mm-hmm. not a big thing <laughs> around here to go around for Halloween and, and dress up. But I felt, oh, I'm going to put, I didn't have candies or anything. I'm generally not for giving candies to kids. (laughs) But I was like, oh, well, you know, (laughs) it's Halloween. And I thought it was really terrible weather. I'm thinking nobody's going to show up. Nobody does this here. Mm -hmm. But I just took a piece of paper and I drew uh, like a ghost on it. Terrible ghost. But then I stick it (laughs) on my door and I Uh had happened to get little chocolate candies, let's say. So I had oh. this and all evening, nobody shows up, nobody shows oh. up. And then I'm ready for bed. I'm in my mm-hmm. pajamas and I hear from outside the apartment door, there is a sign. There is a sign. <laughs> they have candies here. And I'm like, yes, they came. They came. Oh. And I see two little kids. They were so desperate. They had nothing in their little candy bag. And then they do the little trick-or-treats and they were so excited that one person had thought this is Halloween. (laughs) And it made me so happy. I saw how happy they were. They were just going home. They had nothing. And I thought, (laughs) well, I'm not so much for Halloween and okay, it's a commercial holiday and whatever. But I felt like, ah, I I did my little part. You know, it was not so much effort for me and it made them so happy and it made me so happy to have contributed to them. So, yeah, I love to share this this example because it takes a little bit of effort and I'm also super introverted and I love having my evenings all alone. (laughs) I was like, it's okay, I can just open my door two minutes and then they go away, so it's fine. (laughs) And I think like a hundred percent and I also love that example because I do think and I don't know, I don't know whether it's like the social media or what, because because what people are sharing is only like their greatest successes or like the moments mm. where everyone's smiling. But I think that it's really important to talk about like that is a specific moment of human connection where like both of you wouldn't like it's like the shared wonderfulness. And it is it's a small group it's not like and then like 30 people suddenly showed up at my house and I was you know like (laughs) you know it's it's this one-on-one thing and Mm. I think that really matters and I think sometimes people think well it wasn't successful because it was just like a little party and I'm like okay but like did you have fun like did you have good conversation like did you deepen relationships Mm. did you 
Did you build relationships? Like, it's not about quantity of like, quote unquote, friends. It's about real like human connections and having a moment where you see another person and they see you back. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was just two kids, but I felt, wow, this made my week. I still have two I'm months later, so I still happy. have this little ghost. I kept it inside the apartment because I'm like, I love that moment. I'm keeping this memory. My, like, my cheeks hurt from smiling when you were telling me that story. It makes me so happy. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that was my little anecdote of because I, I do really agree with you that even when you're super shy, even when you're super introverted, it is not easy to meet people, but we also need to try to create those little yes. moments of connection in our societies that are very disconnected. Yeah. Um, do you have some other tips on like either objects or the environment or things yeah. that we can sort of put in place to try to have little happier, less lonely life. Generally. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I would love to, I'll, I'll like share with you guys the design so, um, I went into, so this was uh, about almost five years ago. I went into the literature, um, and like for anyone that is so, and what I mean by that, it's not like Dickens. What I mean by that is I went into the peer reviewed literature, which is like basically the science, um, behind, um, social connection and physical environments or built environments. And um, I'm trained both as a researcher as well as a licensed architect. And I really was like, okay, I have this experience in my life. I've seen this in, in like data in different ways, but like really what does the research say? Mm. And so I sat with it for, I read hundreds of articles, sat with those and then synth synthesized them up to um, six design principles or like guiding principles for design. And the reason I love these is because they scale from like a tiny space all the way to um, a cityscape or to a streetscape or like, you know, you can really think about them in any that size. Way. <laughs> yes, any size. Um, and specifically talking about like third places and the way that those um, connect us, which is essentially like shared space that isn't a home, isn't a workplace, but is really like a public shared space. Um, so that so I often talk about them as um, saying that these spaces have a certain panache or something special. So that's the sense of place, um, which is something that like helps it to feel unique and of the people um, of that space, of the culture, et cetera. Um, sort of like the what what makes you happy, you know, part. Mm. Um, the A is for accessibility. Um, so that means not just like physical accessibility, like can people in wheelchairs or strollers or whatever reach that, but also like, do people feel welcome, included? Um, do they see themselves in that space? Um, nature um, is super important. Um, so for all the reasons we already talked about here um, and the way that it helps to like feel, it helps us to feel calm. And when we are calm, we feel open to connection. I'll just put it that way. Um, activation, which is really like that idea of like you activated the space with the ghost and the candy. Like, you know, like you, you, it was like a symbol that showed mm. that something can happen here. Um, and there's, you know, like fountains naturally do that. Um, storefronts do that. But if like, for instance, if you say, well, I'm going to throw a party and I want it to to foster social connection. There's a lot of things that you can do, but the space is also a part of that. And having something that activates people to talk to one another or move through the space in a certain way and strike up conversation. Um, and uh, C is for choice. Um, so for all the reasons that we talked about today, like having choice and being able to control your surroundings helps you to feel comfortable and be able to like regulate the type of interaction you might want on that day. Um, and then human scale is the last one, which is really about that sense of prospect and refuge that we talked about earlier, like that sense of, does it feel like it fits? Um, I think to a certain extent, maybe the reason why that like LA super palace, like didn't fit for you was like, it lacked scale. Like it lacked a sense of like, mm you feel co like, like you talked about cozy. Um, and 
And Maybe I it's because think... I'm a tiny person. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I've never known my height in feet, but I'm not even one meter sixty. So <laughs> I think that's why I can't live in a big place. Oh yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. But I think in general, like we all want, uh, you know, I'm like maybe an NBA player, but like that sense of scale is not just about like height, but about um, how something forms to the human body. Um, so if we think about like, um, so if you guys have like spaces where people can hang out outside um, in, in parks or other areas, having like backs on chairs or having, um, having something nooked at a corner, all of these things are like natural ways to create um, human scale or like that sense of the place feels good. Um, so like, mm. and if, I, you know, like you started with the contrast is oftentimes proves the thing, which is if you think of a giant building that's completely inarticulated, like it's just a monolith, right? And you're trying to walk past it. Um, your heart rate increases. You're less likely to help strangers that look like they're lost. Like you, you're having all of these physiological reactions, which are completely different than walking down that same space, if it's a bunch of sort of smaller shops and, you know, um, different, different types of things like that. When I think of like high streets in certain areas. Um, so yeah, so that's panache. And I think all of those can help you, whether it's design a space in your home or design a party or think about like principles for, you know, a, a park or a cafe or your own workplace, all of it is is applicable in those ways because it really taps into like who we are as people yeah that's a a good acronym to remember <laughs> <laughs> to give our space more more panache i think it can yeah. be it could be a great theme for the year of 2024 Ooh, to think like okay that. i'm gonna have a year of panache and <laughs> and put more happiness into into my spaces and and design um, one question that I like to to close with, there's so many more topics we could get into, but I think to to start and for people to get started on their journey with designing more their life and their space, we got great insights today. Um, do you have one person in mind that would be the happiest person that you know? And it can be someone that you know personally or someone that you don't know very closely. Mm -hmm. But I find it's always a hard question to answer, but a very interesting one to, to close up the topic. The happiest person I know. The happiest person you know. I I mean, the person that instantly popped into my mind, which like there is no measure, but it would be my daughter who is just like, this is the greatest day ever. Like every day. <laughs> um, she... she um, you know, it's like uh, she cannot wait to make cookies for Santa. And she is like, she wants, her birthday is very soon. And she wants to have all of our neighbors over, all of her friends over, and have a snuggle party and decorate cupcakes. Like, she is just, she's like, well, because that's what you do. <laughs> Sounds like an amazing plan. I don't see why not. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, we'll do, we'll do that. We'll see what happens. Like, um, yeah. So I think she, you know, and I watch how her joy, just like <laughs> abundant, overflowing joy, um, you know, it, it overflows onto other people and, uh, and myself and, even though sometimes I'm like so tired, I'm like, you are just such a array of light in the world, my dear. Mm. Yeah. It's beautiful that she is the first person that came up for you because many times when I ask this question, people struggle a little bit to think, hmm, who's the happiest person I know? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should say my wife or my husband. <laughs> for... <laughs> <laughs> we're getting out of trouble <laughs> but it's a lot of time we think of people you know we know that are very successful mm. because also it's hard to find a definition of, of happiness and we don't necessarily know people that well or we don't know 
Um, we maybe know them on some level, but not mm-hmm. on their internal level, if they actually feel happy or not. So I find it's an interesting and complicated question to answer. Um, mm-hmm. But it's beautiful that it's your, your daughter that, that came up for <laughs> it you. It was so easy for me. <laughs> <laughs> I can think of lots of, yeah. And I think, I think it's people that have, I mean, now for her, like she hasn't unlearned. She hasn't been, she hasn't been taught by society by life yet like Mm -hmm. to be disappointed in whatever like she's really sees like there's that degree of presence that children are able to have where it's like not preoccupied about the future or the past just like so into right now um and that is definitely a source of joy that we can all tap into and the next birthday Yes. No, I'm the next person. Oh my God. That's true. She is, man, she's like ready. She's like ready to send out like personalized (laughs) cards to everyone. (laughs) To everyone. Well, thank you so much, Erin, for all those insights on architecture. I have personally learned a lot about architecture and and design today and a lot uh, extra insights on happiness as well. So thanks a lot for taking the time and sharing also your sort of personal joy and happiness as well in this uh, in this conversation (laughs) anytime yeah if you guys um want to learn more check out erinpv.com or hksinc.com which is where i work um and i would love to connect with you and share happiness and learn more about you and i just like thank you so much for having me on it is such a like (laughs) I don't get to talk about happiness for an hour very often and I love it. It is so much fun. (laughs) So thank you. Thank you, Irene.